it's good to be here with you again on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. Um, uh, one little difference from what Marcus mentioned is I, I, I was very much hoping my wife could be here on that last Sunday, but she won't be here. The reason is, she, you know, I think I've told you many times, she's an oncology nurse down at the VA hospital in Denver, and uh, over the last five years, she's had to work one Saturday because it's the day of the move from the old hospital to the new one. It happens to be the 4th of, of August. They're only many years behind and a billion dollars over budget, but you know, it's the United States of America and other countries. So she can't. That's the day she has to work. She's in charge for her, uh, her, the oncology unit at the VA hospital. So unfortunately, she won't be here with me. But um, it's been obviously a, a tremendous privilege for me to be here with you here at First Baptist Church. As you know, this summer we've been going through um, what are called the, the one another passages in the Bible. There are many of them. There are uh, almost 100 in the New Testament where the word um, one another is used. It's, um, it's usually used by the Apostle Paul. He's the main one that uses it. And he usually says, this is how you're supposed to treat each other. So you're to love one another and to forgive one another and to do many things that are good toward one another. And then sometimes he says, this is what you should not do to each other. And we have a number of those as well. And so today we're going to look at uh, one of the one another's that's probably... Um, one of the most important of all, but it's usually skipped. If you look at your body now, and as far as the, the, the church is concerned, there's one part of your body that is probably more potent than any other part of your body. Take the brain out of the picture because, of course, it controls everything. And I would submit to you that probably the most potent part of the entire body is your mouth. The mouth is the, the most important part of the body in, in many respects. It can be used for great good, as you know. That's hopefully what I'm doing right now. And it can be used for great ill. In the New Testament, many times there are Bible verses that say, this is how we're supposed to use our mouths with one another. Let me give you some examples. Here's one. This is James chapter 4, which is going to be our text today. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Brothers, do not slander or other translations say, do not speak against one another. Here's another one. This is in Romans 15. I myself am convinced, brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. That's, again, a use of the mouth. We are competent. Paul says, I know you are able to use your mouths to instruct one another. Here's another one. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, each of you should put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And this is Ephesians chapter 5. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. How often do we hear each other doing that? This is in Colossians. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. There's another use of the mouth. Here's one in James chapter 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And so today our um, text of Scripture is going to be First of all, based on this verse from James chapter 4, 11, but don't turn there. The word is our, do not speak against one another. But our main text today is not going to be from the New Testament. It's actually going to be from the Old Testament. Here's why. Perhaps the most important text in the Bible on the use of our mouths in a destructive way is in the book of Proverbs. That's where we're going to look today. Probably the, the, one of the greatest plagues of the church that we have had to face and still face and will always face is gossip. Gossip is, I've, I think some people have called it the murder weapon of choice in the church. The main way that we kill each other is with our words and what we say about people behind their backs, usually. And so today, our main text is going to be taken from the, the book of Proverbs. So if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 26, verses 17 to 28. Now, if we had the, the slides aren't working right now, but if, you, if they were right now, you'd see a slide with some women speaking to each other, and this is what the slide would say on it. No, no, this isn't gossip. It's the truth. Well, that's a bad definition of gossip. Because generally speaking, gossip is true. You see, if what you say about somebody behind their back is false, that's not gossip. That's slander. Or that's um, false witness. Or it's defamation. Or it's libel. There are many other names that we use for false information that we share about another person behind their back. But you see, oftentimes, gossip is actually true. It's not false. So what is gossip? You see, someone said, gossip needn't be false to be evil. There's a lot of truth that shouldn't be passed around. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is because we think that gossip has to be false to be gossip. That's not true. That's slander. Gossip is generally true. So what is gossip? Let me define it first. I like to define gossip as truth with a twist. There's always a twist. The twist is sometimes motivational. You see, the gossiper's motive is not pure. The gossiper's motive is to, to, to talk about a third party that is not present in order to impress with inside information, or to control, or to manipulate, or to damage, or to gain advantage, or to put down, or to build up oneself. You see, the first thing about gossip is that there's a twist to the motive. Secondly, there's a twist to the necessity. You see, 
Gossip, by definition, is something you don't need to say. Um, here's, um, here's, uh, this is George Bernard Shaw. The things most people want to know about are usually none of their business. Gossip is almost, well, I would say almost always unnecessary. You don't need to say it. It's not needful. Sometimes we do need to see th say things about people who aren't present. And that's not necessarily gossip. There could be. But you don't need, need to say it. It's unnecessary. So the necessity of the gossip, there's a twist there. It's not needed. You don't need to really say it. But thirdly, the method. You see, the word for gossip in some of the Proverbs we're going to see is actually the word whisperer. By that very definition, whisperer. It's, it's, it's said with a different tone. If I come and you say, hey, I've got a secret. I don't go, hey, I've got a secret for you. You don't do that. You go, hey, I've got a secret. You see, the, there's, a, there's a twist to the method. It involves little barbs and half-truths and faint praise and a lowered voice and a whisper. And there's, the, there's a twist in the result. You see, one of the main things about gossip is, is it makes everybody dirty. The gossiper is dirty. Those who hear gossip become dirty, and the people about who are the recipients or the ones you're gossiping about, though they don't even know it, their reputation is dirtied. The result is twist. Here's what someone said. Gossip is saying behind their back what you would not say to their face. Flattery is saying to their face what you would not say behind their back. Oh, you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. They're so ugly. I mean, flattery is saying things out loud that you don't really believe. You wouldn't really say that if they weren't there. Gossip is the opposite. Saying things about people that you wouldn't say to their face. There's a portrait of gossip that we find in the book of Proverbs, as I said before. Um, Chapter 26, and let's go there in our Bibles right now, because this is one of the, the great uh, texts uh, in, in the scriptures on the subject. And as you know, if you look there in your Bibles, you'll, you'll notice that um, in Proverbs, there's very rarely a section on a particular subject. You've got the, 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 the section in chapter 31 about the, the, the Wonder Woman, I guess you could call her, this incredible woman. There's a section that's all the verses are together. But Proverbs generally is a verse here, and then the next verse is on a different subject, and then a different subject. But in this passage of Scripture, chapter 26, verses 17 to 28, we have a whole section on this subject of gossip. And listen now as I read Proverbs 26, verse 17 and following. Like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel not his own. Like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. 
Like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven abominations fill his heart. His malice will be, may be conceived by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. If a man digs a pit, he will fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back on him. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Now this text of scripture is a long section on our mouths. Now you might think, well, why is that important? As you know, we're about to face a new phase in the life of this church. And how you use your mouths over these next months is going to be really pivotal in the life of this church. It's very easy for us to talk behind people's backs about things that we like and do not like, usually what we don't like. But that's one of the things that will be destructive. And so a lesson on the mouth is very important. A quick aside. Almost 30 years ago, I went to a church in Longmont, Colorado. That church that I went to was in deep, deep weeds. It was a very badly damaged church. I didn't know that. Generally, when a new pastor comes, you don't really know what's going on. I didn't know. But it was really bad. And uh, so one of the questions I had when I began in that church was, um, how, oh, here the slides are coming up. Thanks, Manny. Um, uh, what do you do? How, how, do you, how do you help this church? So I, I decided that I would begin in the book of Thessalonians. How do you build a ministry you can trust? But back then, they also had Sunday evening services in that church. And so I wondered, what will I teach on? And I decided the first thing I should teach on is the mouth. How do we use our mouths? Because it, the, the, the church's health will largely be determined by how we use our mouths. And so that's why I, I come to this subject today. Don't speak against one another. So I'm going to slip through these slides. Um, oh, that's, I don't want that one yet. We've got to get way back here. Um, if you're real fast with reading, you can see. Ah, there we go. Okay. I know you're not that fast. Here's our text of scripture that I just read. And it's going to begin by using two similes. This is like this. And it's going to show us, to start with, the, the, the folly or the foolishness, the stupidity of gossip. Here's where it begins. Like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel not his own. Now, as I walk around here in Sheridan, I often see people with dogs. I don't know that I've seen a pit bull yet, but let's pull up, uh, pick a pit bull. Let's say somebody is walking their pit bull, and I go up to that pit bull and grab its ears and go, Aah! Now, that's, that's dumb. I mean, that's really dumb. I don't know that dog. That dog doesn't know me. And if I went and grabbed that pit bull's ears, that pit bull is going to bite me. And I'm going to regret that I did it. Now, would any sane person grab the ears of a pit bull and shake them? Yes, is the answer. Why? We do it all the time. That's what the Bible says. When you meddle in matters that are not yours, it's the equivalent of going up to a pit bull, grabbing its ears, and shaking them. 
That's the equivalent. We do it all the time. But it gets worse. Like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, oh, I was only joking. Now, oftentimes, gossip has an air of humor to it. Oh, no big deal. Yes, it is. Would you, because this area has a lot of people who are in, 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 uh, have, have serious mental issues. Would you go to someone who's struggling with some mental issues, arm them with a AK-47, and let them start just start shooting? Would any sane person in the world take a person who's mad, give them a, a, a gun, and then just say, hey, shoot. And they go, hey, this is fun. Would you ever do that? Yes, we do it all the time. But that, he said, that's where the, the Proverbs begin on this subject. It's, People, don't you realize how, how foolish this is? Irma Bombeck, as you know, has, oh, she had a, quite a way of, with words. She said this, Some say our national pastime is baseball. Not me. It's gossip. That's our national pastime. Listen to this. My name is gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I'm cunning, malicious, and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and wreck marriages. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights, headaches, and indigestion. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. My name hisses. I am called gossip. It is a problem. There were four uh, pastors who were once taking a short breather from their heavy schedules, and they were on a park bench. Four of them, can you imagine? They were chatting and enjoying an early summer day. You know, since all of us are such good friends, said one, this might be a good time to discuss the problems that are disturbing us. They all nodded in agreement. Well, I would like to share with you the fact that I drink to excess, said one. There was a gasp from the other three. Then another spoke up. Well, since you were so honest, I'd like to say that my big problem is gambling. It's terrible, I know, but I can't quit. I've even been tempted to take money from the collection plate. Another gasp was heard, and the third clergyman spoke. I'm really troubled, brothers, because I'm growing fond of a woman in my church, a married woman. More gasps. But the fourth man remained silent. After a few minutes, the others coaxed him to open up. The fact is, he said, I don't know how to tell you about my problem. Oh, it's all right, brother. Your secret is safe with us. Well, it's this way, he said. You see, I'm an incurable gossip. <laughs> so are we. 
You see, the Bible says we're all incurable gossip, but there's not a single person able to control their tongue. If you were, you'd be a perfect person. There aren't any of us. The tongue is a little tiny member of our body, but an enormously powerful one. What we forget many times is that gossip is, is really foolish. We, we shouldn't be meddling in, in matters that don't really have, there's nothing we can do about them. No one would, be, would, would grab a dog by the ears and shake its head. You'd be, you'd be bitten if you did that. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't arm a person who's crazy and have them just shoot around and say, hey, this is fun. No, that, it isn't fun. For people's reputation, their lives to be hurt is not fun. In fact, it's bad. But the problem with gossip is that it works extremely well. And it's very, very powerful. The Bible tells us why. The Bible is now going to tell us three reasons why gossip is so incredibly powerful. And everyone does it. Why? Why does it work so well? Let's see what the Bible says. First of all, gossip is likened to fire. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. You see, gossip is powerful because gossip starts fires and then it fans fires and then it fuels fire. You see, gossip is so powerful because it is like gasoline on a fire. I think all of us have been dumb enough to do this. I certainly have. You have a campfire. And you want to see, and it's not doing really well, and so you put some gasoline on it. Don't do this, by the way. I've done it. And Well, gossip is like that. Gossip is like a fire. You take a, a, a few burning embers, and you put gasoline on it, or, or you, you, you put coal on it. It's going to become a big fire. That's the nature of gossip. Why is it powerful? Because gossip is like a fire, but... The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to man's inmost parts. You see, the, uh, the second reason why, why gossip is so, um, so powerful is it tastes incredibly good. That's why it's so powerful. Right now, I know it's only 10 o'clock uh, now, but if this was like noon and you're starting to get hungry for lunch, and we bring into this place the most delicious hors d'oeuvres you've ever seen in your life. You would want to devour them. But you see, gossip is like tasty hors d'oeuvres to a hungry, empty soul. That's why all of us have empty egos to some degree. And we like gossip. It tastes good. And it goes down deep. Why? Because all of us like to be the, the, the possessors of inside information. We love that. It does something for our ego. It does something for us. And so gossip tastes like, like dainty morsels. I, I know many of you are probably on Facebook and nothing terribly wrong. There's just a little bit wrong with that, but not terribly. I'm not. And sometimes people ask me, why are you not on Facebook? And I said... You know, I know enough junk about people's lives already. I, don't, I can't handle anymore. I honestly can't handle anymore. I don't have the capacity to handle more junk, more gossip about people's lives. Why does Facebook work? 
because it tastes good. And because we have our innermost parts uh, love this. Um, so look at this. If gossip were food, many people would be overweight. Not many. All of us. We'd be overweight. Or this one, Joseph Conrad. Gossip is what no one claims to like, but everyone enjoys. That's why it's so powerful, because we like it. But it's worse. Like a coating of glaze over earthenware or a mud pot. Like a coating of beautiful glaze over a mud pot are fervent lips with an evil heart. Why does it work? Well, because it, it, it looks pretty and it tastes good. That's, and it is incredibly fire-prone. That's why. These are the three images that, that the writer of Proverbs says, this is what gossip is like. It's like a fire. It, and fires, as you know, especially around this area in Colorado, forest fires burn crazily. Why? It's powerful. It's powerful. Why is it so powerful? It tastes good. Why is it so powerful? It looks good. Now, have you ever, have you ever, has it ever dawned on you that gossip is the perfect sin? It's the perfect sin. Can you put together a sin more beautiful than this? First of all, gossip is subtle. The very word for gossip is a whisper. It's not done in the open generally or out loud. It's done quietly. Then generally when we gossip or are a party to gossip, we don't even know it. Here's a sin that we don't even know what's happening. And then add to this, it tastes good. It feeds our ego. It looks good. It's often masked. It's the perfect sin. And we fall prey all the time. Generally, those who gossip justify it, and those who hear gossip do not even notice it, and those who are gossiped about don't even notice it's happening. That's the nature of gossip. It is mega powerful. Mega powerful. But it has consequences, and the consequences are dire. This is what the Word of God says. But I'll start with this. I learned this when I was a child. Maybe you did too. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's rubbish. I mean, that's like the dumbest thing. Oh, sticks and stones don't hurt nearly as much as words. Oh, they're all, all of us have been hurt by sticks and stones, and we got over it. Our bruises healed, and our, our skin healed up. But there are many people in this room right now, words have destroyed your life to this very day. Oh, sticks and stones are nothing next to words. Words are powerful. I'll bet you, if some of you told your story right now, you'd be bawling your eyes out. How one statement from a teacher or a mom or a dad or a friend hurt you terribly, and you carry it to this very day. And there's some of us, like me, I've had bad words said to me, of course, but I've had good words, too, that have changed my life for the better. Words are powerful. But you see, gossip has consequences. Let's look at them. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, don't believe him, 
for seven abominations fill his heart. You see, God, malicious spe speech, gossip, can be easily disguised. However, it, it, it rots the heart, or it's a symptom of a rotten heart. But over time, gossip will come out, and if you have a reputation of being a person who talks about others who are not present, eventually you are not going to be trusted by people who matter. You won't be trusted. That's a pretty big... So there are relational consequences to gossip. They will, it will ruin relationships. But then there are, communal response, there are communal consequences. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the, in the um, assembly. There, see, gossip not only ruins relationships, it ruins communities, and it's going to ruin you. If a man digs a pit, he will fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back on him. Gossip will ruin you. What goes around comes around. Those who gossip with you will gossip about you. If you ever think you can be a party to gossip and think that you're not going to be the subject of gossip, you're an idiot. You will be the subject of gossip. Do you want people outside of your presence to be cutting down your character and you can do nothing about it? Do you want that? Nobody wants that. Well, if you participate in it, it's going to happen to you. I promise you. What goes around will come around. So there are relational consequences. It will ruin relationships. It ruins communities. It will ruin you. A lying tongue hates those it hurts and a flattering mouth works ruin. Now that's a strange thing. Why does he throw flattery in there? Well, because flattery is actually the other side of the coin. And interestingly, you'll find in the Bible that flattery is one of the main characteristics of the false teachers. Here is a passage from Jude, verse 16. He's talking about the false teachers. This is Jesus' brother. These men are grumblers and fault finders. So they're basically negative people. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Flattery is not encouragement. Flattery is somebody saying things to you that sound good because they're trying to use you or abuse you. Well, so, so what? Here's a, since you want some advice on gossip, I'll give you a tutorial. This is, so you need some practice here. You guys aren't smart like Texas. Here we go. In Texas, oh, bless his little old heart. He just couldn't help it. Or in a Protestant church, here's how we do our gossip. Pray for Jason. He's really struggling with blah, blah, blah. Or, of course, the Orthodox way is more complex and spiritual. Ask St. Nephon to intercede for Ivan. Look down humbly, slowly make the sign of the cross, look to heaven, and say, Lord, have mercy. You see, we have all kinds of ways of religiously hiding our gossip. And Facebook is one of the best ways you can get into it. Now, obviously, this is facetious. Let me conclude with some ways to deal with it that are godly. Number one, the first place to deal with any sin is to start with oneself. The place that we start with is look in the mirror. Start with self-reflection. The truth is that we are all prone to be gossipers. We're all prone to listen to gossip 
to believe gossip and we all will be gossiped about. That's the truth. So the place you start is with yourself. Perhaps the best verse in all the Bible to help you look at yourself is in the Psalm, Psalm 139. Listen to this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The place we start is with our heart. Start by looking. But the second thing we need to do is to feel. You see, God has given us His Holy Spirit if we're Christians, and the Holy Spirit makes us sensitive to things that are wrong. By definition, gossip is dirty. It, 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 it comes out of hearts that are dirty. It involves people who are getting dirty. It's about people whose reputations are dirtied. It's dirty. It's filthy. If we're dirty, generally, we, we feel it, and we want to get clean. I think the next thing is just to feel the filth. F feel it. If you're the person who has been gossiped about, you know what that feels like. It doesn't feel good. Feel the filth. Feel what, it, what, it's, what it's really like. Um, someone wrote this. Gossip is the devil's radio. So don't be his DJ. Don't be his DJ. That's not a fun place to be. Thirdly, lessen your words. Um, this is James 1.19. Dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I often like to say in congregations like this, if you want to know the most sinful person in the room right now, it's me. Because my profession is to talk. And here's what the Bible says. When words are many, sin is not absent. If you talk a lot, you cannot avoid sinning. It's impossible. So I'm the biggest sinner in the room. But if you think you're a whole lot better than I am, here's James again. No one can tame the tongue. No one. That's why we need God's help. Lessen your words. Words are important. Most of us should speak less than more. Next one. Filter what you listen to and believe. Here's Proverbs 17.4. A wicked man listens to evil lips. A liar pays attention to a malicious tongue. Our text here said, though his speech is charming, do not believe him. Here's what Rick Warren, the pastor in California, said. Listening to gossip is like accepting stolen property. It makes you just as guilty of the crime. So one thing is we need to filter what we listen to and what we believe. And then it says in the text of Scripture, chapter 20, 19 in Proverbs, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Someone who talks a lot about other people outside their presence is not a person to, to be trusted. And then if you do hear gossip, which I hear all the time, I'm afraid, here's what, this, look at this, this, I love this verse, Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers an offense promotes love. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. I believe that one of the great honors of my job that hears a lot of junk is to never let it go past me. It's, a, it's an honor to God to cover a transgression. But maybe the last one, and this comes from a very strange verse in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 23. It says this, As a north wind brings rain, so a sly tongue brings angry looks. You see, the north wind doesn't bring rain in, in, in Israel. 
It's usually uh, the other directions, but when it does, it's really significant. I've tried this one. Try it. See if it works. Let's say you're in the presence of somebody and they're talking about people outside there uh, uh, who are not present in a derogatory way. And generally when that happens, we go, tell me more, tell me more. Try this. I've done it. It works. When you're in that presence, go, frown. Try it. See what happens. You see, we feed off each other's faces all the time. If you frown, generally, you'll stop it. Because usually our friend says, hey, I love this stuff. Tastes so good. Tell me more. But if you go, hmm, it usually will stop it. Something practical. Well, let me end with a, a story. I think this one is not true, but it certainly sounds good. Maybe it is. There once was a woman who did not like what a certain godly old pastor would say to her. So one day the old man's words were more than she could bear. It was the truth, but it really made her angry. So she went everywhere telling lies and evil stories about him. She tried very hard to turn all the people against him and her terrible talk and gossip, and her words worked. The pastor was disgraced, and he became very discouraged. But the more she talked, the sadder she became. At last, she was very unhappy and began to feel sorry for all the things she had told. Finally, in tears, the woman went to the pastor's heart to, house to ask him to forgive her. I have told so many things about you. I have gossiped. Please forgive me. The old man didn't answer her for a long time. He seemed to be deep in thought and prayer, and at last he said, Yes, I will forgive you. But first, you must do something for me. What do you want me to do? She said, a little surprised. Come up with me to the church bell tower, and I will show you, he said, looking straight into her eyes. But first, I need to get something from my room. When the pastor returned from his room, he carried a big feather pillow under his arm and a sharp knife in his hand. The poor woman could hardly hide her surprise and curiosity and fear. The flustered woman could hardly keep from asking what the pillow and the knife were for and why they were going up into the bell tower. However, she kept silent, and a little out of breath, they finally reached the church bell tower. The wind blew softly through the big open windows of the bell tower. From the tower, they could see out into the countryside that stretched beyond the village. Suddenly, without saying, the pastor took the knife and ripped open the pillow and dumped all of the feathers out the window. The wind and the little breezes caught the feathers and carried them everywhere out onto the rooftops, into the streets, under cars, up onto trees, into the backyards where children were playing, and even out to the big highway, and on and on farther still into the distance. The pastor and the woman watched the feathers flutter away for some time. At last, the old man turned to the woman and said, I want you to go and pick up all those feathers for me. Pick up all those feathers, she guessed. That's impossible. I know, said the pastor. Those feathers are like the gossip you spread about me. What you have started, you can't stop, even if you are sorry. You may be able to tell a few people that you lied about me, but the winds of gossip have carried your lies everywhere. You can blow out a match, but you cannot blow out the great forest fire that one match can start. This is actually a tombstone in England. Beneath the stone, a lump of clay lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue.
Oh, Father, may that never be said of us. So precious church, Heavenly Father, with many wonderful people, about to face some, a new chapter, a good chapter. Oh, may you anoint this body with godly mouths, mouths of encouragement, mouths that speak to one another in godly ways, that build up one another. May your Holy Spirit check mouths that would gossip and slander and libel and all kinds of other things that are destructive. May this body be full of people who speak well of one another. And as a result, may you, Heavenly Father, cause this body to grow and blossom because that's something you really like. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand with me and now as you leave this day, I'll quote the Bible and may this go with you. May the words of my mouth meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You're my strength. You're my redeemer. God bless you.